Well, this morning, um, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> we spoke last week in Herein is Love that God Loved Us, or God Loves Me, and uh, as I was thinking of, again, can, it's a, can you, can, it is a continuation of last week, part two, and we'll start with the same scripture, 1 John chapter 4, verses, verse 9 and 10. And this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And um, to build on what we said last week of herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, we move back one phrase, and it says that we might live through him. So herein is love, that God loved us, that we might live through him, through Christ. And whenever we begin to think of going through or living through something or living through someone, you know, I, I think... Uh, Sometimes of uh, kids in sports and their parents are, you know, they're, they're all involved with them. It's like it's they're, they're living through their child or um, we, we find life through a job or through a, uh, sometimes I think with the, the volunteer programs like fire departments and so on, they, they find their meaning in life as living through their, their rescue and in their uh, um, helping people. They, they find that um, experience of living through their jobs or living through what they do. And sometimes if we think of passing through someplace, going through the church, <laughs> coming in the front door and through the sanctuary and downstairs and out the, the basement door, we're living, we go, we go through something. Well, here we are living through Jesus. We're living through him and, we, and to understand how important this is, he tells us in, in this verse that here in his love that God loves us. So in order for us to live through Christ, we first have to recognize that we are accepted by Christ. You can't, you can't get through the church if the doors are locked. <laughs> you, you can't live through someone if they're not there. You know, so they have to be there and they have to, if they won't do what you want them to do, <laughs> you know, um, well, I won't go that way. But the whole intent is that we have this relationship with God that we are accepted by God because he loved us first and that you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that your fruit should remain, that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. So as we are living our life then through Christ, we are finding that we are living through his forgiveness, through his power. We're living through his grace, his unmerited, fa his unmerited favor, um, his mercy. So whenever we start looking at how our life, bring the old <laughs> picture frame out again, we, as you look through the frame, what is the framework? Well, in this case, it is God's love for us, and it is his forgiveness. And as we look through life, we are looking through the, the lens of forgiveness, and we're looking through the lens of um, mercy, looking through the, the, the lens of, of, of being accepted. And as we look through this lens, we also find that we have purpose, 
And our purpose is to love God and to love people. Our purpose is to forgive and allow that forgiveness that we have received to be given through Christ to other people. So as we are living our life through him, we find that uh, it's a perspective of our spiritual life, that it isn't all up to me. It's not up to my calling or my abilities. It's up to who Christ is and how that I live through him, how that he lives through us. And we often think of it in that perspective that we are Christians and we are allowing God to live through us. But I think in reality, it's the opposite. Not that we love God, but he loves us. And that we have strength through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have our confidence in God and that we live through that by his stripes we are healed. That we have this perspective of life that he is a path. He is the light unto our path. That he is the peace in the midst of the storm. So we live through him and these things become our realities. Because God is that love that loved us first. And so we are now living our life through him. And I was thinking of, and I didn't give you this scripture, Terry, I'm sorry. (laughs) But it is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. It says that it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedient. Exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder that God didn't lose his temper, do away with us, uh, do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immersed in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us, he picked me up. And set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. So we are moving in one side and out the other side in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That he is alive in us and he is that propitiation that describes what Christ has done for us. That we were lost and undone, but now we are found and have purpose. And we're looking through life at life with an eternal perspective. That life has more meaning than just me getting ahead. It has the meaning and significance that what I do for Christ is going to last for an eternity. What he does through me as I live through him. (laughs) So, 1 John 4.16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whosoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. There is no greater knowledge than knowing that God abides in us. And in this verse it says, we have come to know and believe the love of God, the love that God has for us. See, <laughs> um, 
you know, if you look at uh, some of the ancient religions of the oh, uh, of the Egyptians, and then you look at the Aztecs and the Central American religions, that they were always trying to appease their gods. You know, they were always trying to, in, in the gods of the neighboring nations of, of Israel. They were always trying to make their gods happy. So they would offer sacrifices. They would sacrifice their children. And in the, um, I think it was in the Inca Empire, they would, they would literally, it was like a wholesale slaughter of people. They, they found caverns with hundreds of thousands of, of skeletons, of heads, of people that they sacrificed on their altars. And they can't figure out why some of these mammoth cities in, the, in Central America, how they just one day, they just, it's just appeared that one day they disappeared. <laughs> it was, it was, I, I think of it in the context that they killed so many of their own people, the ones who were left decided to flee for their lives and left the city, and only the ones who were left killing people were the priests of those temples. And they were always trying to make their gods happy, you know? Like the sun goes down at night, we got to kill somebody so it comes up in the morning. <laughs> you know, they would just literally just bend people over the altars and cut out their hearts and hold their hearts up and they stop beating, bring in the next guy. It was, it was, it was horrific. For what reason? To make their gods happy. The gods of, of the Egyptians, the Nile. You know, they would sacrifice their children to the, the, the river god, the Nile. I always think of it in the context, Moses, when he was put in that basket, he was put into the, as it were, the mouth of the greatest God of the Egyptians, and the greatest God of the Egyptians could do nothing to stop the plan of God. <laughs> so when God has a plan for us, and we recognize that we are living our life through him, no matter what happens, we're going to be safe in that plan, whether it's in the little ark on a river, <laughs> where there are crocs, crocodiles and you're supposed to be killed as a baby because you're a boy. You know, all those things going against us. But God had a plan, so we find that in our own life, God loves us and God has a plan for us. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save The Lord your God is in your midst. Everywhere I go, everything that I'm looking through, God is in my midst. He's there, always there. He's, he, he can't break his word, and his word says, I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. So we have this understanding you're, that our God is in our midst. He is a mighty one, mighty one. He is the most powerful being in the universe. And he will save us. He says that he will rejoice over you with gladness. Now, we, we have to understand, if, he, if he's going to rejoice over us with gladness, he accepts us. We are accepted in his sight. We are blessed with his eternal spirit. We are blessed with eternal life. We are blessed by his divine favor. And so he's singing over us with gladness. The mighty one is in our midst and he, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He accepts us 
Now, of course, this doesn't mean I can go out and live like the devil and God's going to accept me. No. It means that, uh, that as I give my life to Christ, I am forgiven and accepted. And that that acceptance doesn't just fall on us. It's like we, under, we begin to understand it. We begin to live with that acceptance from God. He will quiet you. He will quiet you by his love. You ever have a child, the child when they're all upset and shaken and terrified and you just hold them and put them on your knee and, and, and you sit there and hold them and they quiet down? Why? Because they sense your love and care. And God tells us that he will quiet us with his love. So no matter what goes on, no matter where we are at, that if we feel that disturbance in our spirit, think of and recognize I am accepted by God. He loves me. He rejoices over me with gladness. And he is, his arms, his hand, is holding me, and I sense that he loves me. <laughs> and he will exalt over you with loud singing. <laughs> I don't think God is out of tune. <laughs> if I sang over you with loud singing, you would say, please stop. <laughs> please stop, Pastor. Don't sing anymore. <laughs> you know? But God, with loud singing, is rejoicing over us. I'm looking, I'm looking at life now. <laughs> I'm looking at life. And what I look through, you know, I look, through, I look at the world not through the evening news. <laughs> I look at the world not through the newspaper. I look at the world <laughs> not through the opinion of friends and family and neighbors. and whatever. I look at the world through Christ. God hasn't lost control. God is in charge of all things. We are to pray for those in leadership. We are to pray for those that are around us and in need, but they don't determine what happens in this world. God does. And so I rest in his promise, rest in his presence, that I am loved by God first and foremost. And then after I have received that love, I am then loving others. 1 Peter 5 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. There is a reason that God wants us to know that we are highly favored. There is a reason that we are to look at life in a certain perspective. Because we are under the mighty hand of God. Now, the, under the mighty hand of God is not a crushing force, but I think of it in the context of a bird, a mother bird covering over. The, the, the chicks are under the mighty wings of their mother. <laughs> the story, I have shared it before, um, when there was a, f a forest fire and the, the, the guys were going through after putting out the hot spots, they, they came across this bird <laughs> that had stayed there and burnt to death. 
And the, the firefighters went over, you know, and they just kind of kicked the bird and <laughs> knocked it over. And out from underneath it were all its chicks alive. And the idea was that this bird had that instinct and that motherly instinct not to survive itself and have another, another what do you call chicks? A group? Brood. Another brood of chicks. It's kept, it sacrificed itself for that brood of chicks. And whenever we are under the mighty hand of God, we are in that, we are in that protection. We are in that covering of the hand of God where nothing can separate us from him, where nothing can come between us. No power in heaven or in earth, no, nothing in alive or dead and present or past or future. Nothing can ever separate us and take us from under that mighty hand of God. He already died for our sins that we can be redeemed. He already did everything that was necessary for us to have that eternal life and to have an eternal perspective. <laughs> because he lives, I shall live also. <laughs> because he lives, I'm alive for eternity. So when we look at life, we look at death, we look at suffering, we look at success, we look at all the things going on around us, it's all through the picture of Jesus Christ. We live through him. And we see our world in a perspective. We pray that we see the world the way that God sees it. Help me to see my life the way you see it. Help me to have an understanding of life and the things going on in my life as you see it. Help me to be your child here and now. Living like your child. You know, you ever heard the expression, well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> they generally say that in a bad way. <laughs> They're just like their mother or just like their father. They're just like their uncle or whatever. Well, you know what? We want to be just like our father. But you, O oh Lord, are a God of mercy and you are gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That's Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God of mercy. You are gracious, slow to anger. He doesn't have a hot temper. <laughs> Sometimes when we're, I don't know, this doesn't apply to you, I'm sure, that you get frustrated, you have a short fuse. Hello? <laughs> I do that a lot. Right, dear? <laughs> more than i used to yeah i don't know uh, i don't know why i just gotta sh i don't you know i i gotta look at things a little different <laughs> so that uh i don't i don't get upset so quickly you know maybe i don't have enough to do i don't know maybe i have too much you know i don't know god what's the problem here <laughs> well we're going to live under the gracious hand of God's favor. And that God has an eternal perspective that he wants us to see from. So you, O Lord, are God of mercy and gracious and slow to anger. God is not frustrated. God doesn't give up on things and situations and people. He doesn't give up on us. Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, See, we're, we want to establish He loves you. 
He loves us. Now, we've said it. We've quoted it. I've quoted John 3.16 since I was a kid. You know, for God so loved the world. You know, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might have life. You see, did you notice that? He didn't come to condemn us. He didn't come to condemn us, so we should not have condemnation in our, in our perspective of life, of ourselves, or of others. God came to save us from condemnation. He came to save us from guilt and manipulation, opposition. You know, people have powers over us. You know, the only people, the only power people have over us is the power we give to them. <laughs> you know, if somebody we've never met comes up and says, you know, you're just nothing but whatever, it's like, who are you? <laughs> but <laughs> someone we have given authority or power to in our life, they come up and say something like that, and we're like, oh, we're devastated. Because we've given them something. Well, we give to Christ that power and that authority over our life to live according to his perspective. So many people live under the perspective and under the hand of oppression that somebody else has said or done to them. And God has come to set us free because he is not a God of condemnation. He's not a God of guilt and manipulation. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't manipulate us. The Holy Spirit leads us. Holy Spirit is the perfect gentleman, the perfect friend, the perfect brother, so that he will lead us in the path of righteousness. He will, he, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. God is wanting us to follow him, not because of manipulation, not because of what we're going to lose, not because of what he's going to do to us. He wants us to follow him because we know he loves us and he would not take us anywhere that he has not already been and that he is not already there and he's not already there walking with us. <laughs> See, that's how much he loves us. First Corinthians 13, I know this is uh, the love chapter. <laughs> in verse 1 through 3, it says, I may speak in different languages of people. So this is where we're beginning to comprehend what we're seeing and experiencing God's love for us. Now, as that love in us, for us, is being manifest, is being made known to other people as it's being lived out through our life. It says, uh, I may speak in the languages of people or even angels, but if I don't have love, if I can't reflect the love that I've been given, I'm just a noisy bell, a crashing cymbal, not in tune, just banging around. I may have gifts of prophecy, I may understand all the secret things of God and have all knowledge, 
and I may have faith so great that I can move mountains, but even with all these things, if I do not have love, then I am nothing. See, the love that God has given to us is everything. It is peace, it is grace, it is mercy, it is strength, it is comfort, it is help, it is sustaining us in times of trouble. It is everything to us, and then God wants us, it wants it to be so much a part of us that it overflows to other people. And that overflowing is how that we live out our faith in Jesus Christ. And if we don't have all of that, we may have all these, you know, big things. I got faith to move mountains. But if I don't have love, means nothing. And there's another scripture, and I'll close with this one. And this is a scripture in Genesis chapter 33, verse 10. Jacob is coming to Esau. You know, they've been twins that uh, they were kind of always at odds. And one was a favorite of the mother, and the other was a favorite of the father. And, and Esau was trying to get the birthright to his, his favorite, Esau. And mom was trying to get Jacob to get the blessing because she was his favorite. And they're warring back and forth. They's always been in, they've always been in trouble <laughs> with each other. Because even in their mother's womb, one came out first, they put the ring, a string on his hand, and he went back in, and the other one came out. I mean, you know, talk about fighting in their mother's womb. <laughs> well, this, in this case, Jacob and Esau, they've been apart for at least 14 years. And Jacob is returning to um, his homeland, and he hasn't seen his brother, whom he took his birthright from, or I didn't want to say took his birthright. He, he, he received gladly what his brother was willing to sell and then tricked his father into blessing him and then he ran off for 14 years. And when he's returning, when he's returning to Esau, he sends out all kinds of flocks and all kinds of stuff, you know, his gifts to his brother. So maybe he won't kill me, you know. He doesn't know what his brother's going to do. And verse 10 says, and this is the Message Bible, says, Jacob said, please, and he's talking to his brother Esau, please, if you can, find it in your heart to welcome me. Accept these gifts. And Jacob says, when I saw your face, Esau, it was as the face of God smiling on me. It was the face of God smiling on me. And in our lives, <laughs> whether we've tricked people or we've done wrong or whatever, we need to be the face of God smiling on them. That's the whole purpose of being loved. That's, that's the purpose of how that God's love is to affect our lives to the point that it is God smiling on other people. But you know, so many people don't have a friend. People don't have someone that is the encourager. They feel that life doesn't have purpose. Or they've made too many mistakes. And who we are is the face of God smiling on them. 
because we look at life from a whole different perspective. <laughs> We're accepted by God, and he'll accept you. We are loved by God. He loves you. We are forgiven of all of our blunders. He'll forgive you. That we know that there is an eternal life in heaven and I'm going to live with God for eternity and so can you. <laughs> that I've done wrong things and I've had to forgive myself. God can help me forgive you. <laughs> the face of God smiling on you. <laughs> That's how these two brothers came together. Never saw that verse. Never paid much attention to it. And then it's like, jumps out of the page and it's like, oh. When they came back together, God had a divine moment with them. And Jacob, whose name is later going to be turned to Israel, through whom, the, through whom the Messiah is going to come, sees the face of God in his brother of all people. So in our life, let us be the face of God that smiles upon people. Because we know all of these things. We know about God and his love for us. And that security never goes away. Amen? So we need to be that smile of God. Show me your teeth. <laughs> Let's stand, shall we? <laughs> Amen. When I saw your face, it was as the face of God smiling on me. God, we want to see your face. We want to be that expression of love for people who are lost and undone. Lord, sometimes it's not the words that we say, it's just who we are as a person and what we represent, who we represent. It is your presence that goes before us, around us. It is your love, O oh God, that flows from us to others. You help us be comfortable in places that only you could go. Lord, you help others feel comfortable in your presence because we are there. So, Lord, we thank you that we can know of your love and accept your love for us, that we can ask, continually ask for your forgiveness, whether it's been in thought, word, or deed, and that, Lord, our past is forgiven and it's never to be remembered against us, and so, Lord, we live in your presence, knowing that your future is in front of us. We ask, Lord, for your guidance. We ask, Lord, that you re as you rejoice over us with singing, Lord, let us hear your voice and let us hear the tune of the angels of heaven singing over us because you love us that much. We are grateful, Lord. How can I say thank you? Well, we can say thank you by saying, I love you, Lord.
I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Hmm. Can we say that? I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our expression of what you have given us. I love you, Lord. Amen? Amen. God bless you. You can take your frame home with you. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.